This is the Culture Matters Podcast. Hello, Culture Matters Podcast. I'm so excited to introduce you to our guest. Before I do that, here's a quote I picked just for this episode. There is little success where there is little laughter. My dear friend, Brian Hess, the one and only. If you don't know Brian Hess in the Culture Matters podcast, you're obviously not listening. <laughs> we got to laugh, right? The quote, uh, Brian Hess founded with uh, uh, friends, the Pavement Group, and is a founder of the Top Contractor School. But beyond all of that, and the thousands of, and maybe even millions of people that he's touched, Brian is, has touched me. <laughs> that doesn't sound right either. God, <laughs> Brian, thanks for coming back, uh, especially after that awkward moment. Today, I want to learn what it's like to go from zero to hero, and I mean that with with great seriousness in the sense that yourself and your team to go from zero to seven figures, seven to eight, on the way to nine. So. It's the first 90 days of the pavement group. Who are you? That's a good question, man. Uh, you know, I, I think I think any entrepreneur, when they get started, um, I'm not even sure that they know who they are, or maybe they wouldn't start in the first place. You know, like you, you got to have enough, enough crazy in you to even be willing to take the jump in the first place. But I think in the first 90 days, it's it's really all about the purpose that you have to prove yourself uh, to others, to yourself, to those that are supporting you, you know, to to your family. Uh, but most importantly, I think it's you know it's a desire to create stability in a very unstable position. You know, when when you start, you don't have any idea where stability lies you just know that you're in pursuit of it you know that that it feels it feels unsafe uh that that sounds negative but it's actually exciting you know and when you when you get to that point of understanding most importantly in the first 90 days you come to the conclusion that you are in control of your own destiny and when you figure that out you you work relentlessly towards creating that stability towards getting to the next level of stability and and you know uh the naive nature of the the early on entrepreneur thinks that they can actually achieve stability what they don't realize <laughs> in the first 90 days is that there's just another level of instability that's created when you create that first level of stability right that to get to the next level you have to make more uh unsafe, risky decisions in order to move forward. But for me, in the first 90 days, you know, there was there was a company that I was working for uh, prior to uh, opening the pavement group. And uh, one of the people there had made a comment to me about, you know, uh, staying in one place and building my resume. And that, that really got me, you know, it was like, um, it felt like that that person didn't believe in me, you know, and and that was a real driving factor for me, right? To say, you know, I'm, 
in a lot of ways, I'm going to prove people wrong. You know, I'm going to prove myself right, most importantly, but I'm also going to prove people wrong. And I also realized in the, that first 90 days how how unhealthy uh, that negative motivation can be, but how useful it can be in moments and minutes, right, where you need it, you know, to, to keep yourself going. But, you know, uh, above all else, I think in the first 90 days, you really realize what you're doing. You know, you really realize how how much there is not a safety net, how you have to create that for yourself, how important reminding yourself and others of the vision of where you're trying to go is, you know, I, uh, I laugh because I think about, you know, when we started the company, we had, we had set up a, a phone number and a phone system. And, uh, you know, when you, when you first started talking about the payment group and going from, you know, zero to seven figures to eight figures, and now, you know, uh, approaching nine figures, I always believed that we were going to be nine figures, right? From day one. And, uh, this story will, will give you some insight into how crazy my thinking was in the first 90 days. So when we set up the phone number, you know, there was only two of us working in the business, right? <laughs> and, uh, when we set up the phone number, um, you know, I'd said to my business partner, I said, you know, we're, we're going to set up all these extensions. You know, press one for sales, press two for operations, press three for scheduling, press four for I don't even remember what they all were now, but they all went to the same phone number in the beginning. Right. Uh, but it was it was the crazy nature of the thinking uh, that every decision we made, even in the first 90 days, was with the idea in mind of like, how would this function when there's 50 people working here uh, from the file structure that we built? in Dropbox, uh, to the systems that we decided to use everything in the phone system. It was like, no, we're going to have people that take these phone calls. Um, and looking back at it now, man, how crazy that is to, to have that idea that like, you know, that was, you know, probably years down the road that we were going to have those people, but that's what was in my mind. And it's also interesting how the outsiders, how the customers have always, you know, uh, saw that and really they they experienced the pavement group and they believed in that, you know, mm -hmm. like they believed the same thing. It felt bigger than it was right. Always. And uh, so, yeah, so many lessons, man, from the first 90 days, but those are the first things that come to mind. Do you, do you, did, did, was it difficult for to go from, you know, zero to six or, and then six to seven figures was there any difficulty there or did it? We skipped over six. Okay. So, so that's interesting. How much of that do you think has to do with that? Those questions that you were asking, like I wrote this down, this, this was big. Like how would this function if 50 people were here? You were asking that question before, way before. Do you think that has anything to do with the skipping? Yes, I do. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, Thinking bigger is the first step to being bigger, right? If you if you don't think that way, it's going to take you a lot longer to to get there. And when when you think as if you're already a you know three million, five million, ten million, twenty five million dollar company, you're you're automatically going to make the decisions and make the moves and make the investments and make the you know you're going to be less hesitant to function in the capacity of those companies. And it's, you know, today, 
I was just having a conversation yesterday about, you know, something new that we're mm. looking at. And, you know, the, the, the end of the conversation on the phone was, uh, guys, we're, we're most, mostly in uncharted territory. Like we don't actually have experience making a lot of the decisions that we make. And so we just find ourselves in a new first 90 day period over and over and over again, because as you scale, the only thing that stops it from being completely unfamiliar is the advice that you get, the mentors that you can get, uh, the books that you read, the information that you can gather, and studying those who have done it before you, uh, so that you know you, you can you can become what you're looking to become faster. And in you know 2023 and beyond, the access to that information is incredible in the world. Right, you, you can access almost anything. Uh, listening to people's stories, watching YouTube videos, listening to podcasts, reading books. Um, even even doing the research of which books to read is easier today than it was 20 years ago. And, you know, so utilizing those resources is what makes it unfamiliar. But yeah, to answer your question, I think it has everything to do with why we've been able to go so fast, because the people inside the organization believe in that vision. They believe in where we're going. They believe in nine figures and beyond that what we're doing here uh, does actually help people. It does actually impact positively the lives of those people that we serve as clients. And if we can get people to experience the pavement group, um, they feel different after, you know, they have a different view of construction. They have a different view of what it's like to do business with an asphalt paving and concrete company. And so our, our mission is to reach as many of those people as we can. And the only way that we do that is by thinking bigger uh, than we actually are in every moment, right? It's like, where where are we going? You know, it's important to know where we came from, but it's more important to know where we're going. I want to make sure I get this right. You said earlier, you skipped six figures. Yeah. People listening to this might be thinking, well, well entrepreneurs... That's in the beginning, that's where a lot of people are, you, you follow, you know, that's where they want to get to. In that spirit, where there, what were the difficulties or lessons being in seven and going to eight? And if you were to give counsel to those listening that might be entering into that realm or, or, or desiring that based on what you've learned, where would you start? The first thing that I would say is, you know, the, the the books that I was reading back in the day and the advice that I was getting and everything that I was consuming was talking about, you know, when we were first starting the business, it was talking about duplicating, right? Like, how do you duplicate to increase revenue? And then, you know, one day I, I was reading a book and that book talked about multiplication. And that changed my mindset. It was like, What's the difference between taking something and duplicating it or taking something and multiplying it? There really is no difference. Um, it, it's literally just the number of times you're going to do it. And, uh, you, you know, I could think back to many times when this same epiphany hit me on the path to getting where we're at right now. You know, I remember last year uh, I was on the treadmill at the gym and 
thinking about how do we grow? Because, you know, every year since 2018, we've doubled in revenue, right? And so that that gets harder and harder and harder to do. Obviously, the larger you get uh, as, as an organization, and we've always found a way to kind of reinvent something in order to get to the next level. And so last year, it was really it was really digging at me because I don't like to fail and I don't like to, you know, wave the white flag of defeat uh, when it comes to, you know, these types of initiatives. So I was on the treadmill at the gym and I was thinking about like, how are we going to do this next year? Meaning this year. So it was 2022 going into 2023. And I remember calling texting Todd said, are you awake? He's like, yes. I said, I had an epiphany. I'll call you in 10 minutes. So I call him and I'm like, dude, I figured out how to, how to be able to double again. And he's like, okay, what is it? Like thinking some big elaborate plan that I've come up with on the treadmill. I said, we got to hire more people. (laughs) Because ultimately we've built the system. We've built the process. We've built the technology. We've built all of the scalable model that it takes to be able to do this. And the only thing that we were missing is like, there's, there's a capacity issue within people. There's only so many projects that a project coordinator can touch. There's only so many customers and so many projects that a national account executive can touch. There's only to do it effectively. And we have to figure out what those numbers are. For those people out there listening, it's like, figure out what your numbers are. What, what is the capacity of and and this is this is going to hit some people but what is the capacity of an average national account executive what's the capacity of an exceptional national account executive what's the capacity of you know the average project coordinator the the, the above average the exceptional and we have to understand that so that we we can project as business owners where we're going and what that looks like so that we can hire proactively so that we can train proactively. We can have people ready for the work that is about to come, not being reactive and putting tons of pressure on the culture to be able to expand beyond their own capacity to handle, you know, what should have been anticipated by the business, by the leadership. And that that lesson really hit me. It was like, so what what got us from seven to eight figures was being able to see that. It was like that multiplication is the same thing as duplication. If you're going to increase by 20%, 30%, 10% in revenue, you have to do something to make that happen. You have to be able to set goals that people are going to duplicate or multiply their own activities in order to achieve that. The only difference between small growth and explosive growth is the number of times that you duplicate the activity that it takes to get there. And so when you don't overcomplicate it, it allows you to get there a lot faster and feeling under control. That's that's probably the thing that I'm most proud of is that in the five years that we've been doing this, duplicating, you know, doubling revenue every year after the next it has never felt out of control. It's, it's always felt like, you know, at moments it's felt a little, you know, a, a little stressful, but it's never felt out of control. Like we couldn't handle it or like, you know, like we were going to drop the ball on something significant. And that, that is a testament to the team. That's a testament to people 
uh, having vision for where we're going and anticipating and getting people in the door before we need them. And, um, you know, having those moments on the treadmill where we can have the epiphany that gets us proactive instead of reactive for the following year. And uh, that, that would be my advice is when you're looking at your business, if you're trying to go from, you know, seven figures to eight figures, or in our case now, eight figures, you know, setting our sights on nine figures in the not so distant future. It, it's a matter of deciding what it's going to be. Are you going to hire one more person? Or are you going to hire two more people? Are you going to hire? And do you have the capacity to properly train and invest into three people, four people, five people? What is the number, right? And we know what that number is. We know how many people we can bring in at a time and invest into to give them the best opportunity to create success for themselves. At the time of this recording, what what we what is the payment group? projecting into the future what, what's the forecast based on what's going on now into at, revenue at what point like in the near future or just today right well yeah and then you know i guess at the end of the year yeah so we we should finish this year you know 60 million ish um and you know as we as we progress um you know there's 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 some variables in construction that make it interesting. Uh, you know, at the end of the year, it's always a race to see what exactly you can get completed. Typically in our business, you know, you've got a five to 10% um, margin of revenue that doesn't get completed, right? That, that weather or uh, a project delay, something that happens that would take that project from 2023 to 2024. But from a sales perspective, uh, you know, that that's, roundabout within, you know, plus or minus 10%, that's where we should be. Right. Uh, and, you know, and then when you look at next year, you know, the, the mental, the mental block of saying like, okay, well, how do we do this again? How do we go from 60 to 120 or 60 to hundred, whatever, whatever the number is that we land on at the end of the year that, that I, you know, try to push our team to reach for next year. How do you do that? And and the advice I would give people is like, worry about solving that issue when you get there. You know, don't get too wrapped around the axle on trying to solve the next problem while you have the current problem, because it will it will slow down the progress that you're making right now. And, and we have that that happened from time to time where we're looking too far out in the future. And so that impacts our day to day discipline of, of being able to produce what we need to produce right now. What do you think entrepreneurs need to hear in this current state of the economy, um, a culture as it relates to business, tactically that's going to lead them to have similar results that you are having right now? Well, I, th I think it's the importance of creating an environment where people feel they feel motivated. They feel better for being part of the culture uh, within the business. You know, growing a culture within a business is one of the most challenging things that you'll do. It's, it's actually way easier to temporarily grow revenue. You know, and I, I say temporarily because I think if you don't build culture first, that the temporary growth in revenue is, uh, you know, it's it's just temporary. It will not continue. It won't sustain. But to create that environment where people 
you know, genuinely enjoy coming to work where they can compare where they are today to where they've been in the past and they, they can be excited about where they're going. Um, I also believe that um, I'm a big believer in performance compensation. So, you know, compensating for performance as many positions within your company as you can. Some of those positions are going to be tied to company performance because it's the only way that, you know, you can fairly compensate it, but as many as you possibly can tie it to individual performance because when people have a purpose uh, that is, you know, tied to their own individual performance, you're you're going to give the best the opportunity to earn what they deserve, right? And you know, there's there's a lot of complications that come with that, but creating a culture that allows people to feel like they're compensated for their actual worth, um, you know, that it's not uh, the corporate America setting where it's like, yeah, I'm going to get paid a salary. And, and I'm, uh, you know, and I'm going to be compensated fairly, you know, they, they refer to it as the golden handcuffs, right? That uh, I'm paid just enough to keep me where I am uh, here. I'm, I'm obsessed with finding ways to never, ever cap compensation for people to give people the career path to be able to go from wherever they are to a position that that compensates them, whatever it is that they desire to make. Um, and, and I think that 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 all ties back to creating a culture where people feel excited to come in. They feel excited about the mission. They feel excited about the impact that that mission can make in the community and, and outside the business. Um, they want to feel connected to those people that sit alongside of them. You know, we, we've got an office here uh, with, you know, quite a few people in it. It's a very large office, but our mission as a company is to increase communication and to increase cohesion within our team so that, you know, people are interconnected. They actually look to the right and look to the left of them and they care about that person and, and that person's future and that person's family and that person's kids, because that's how we all win together, right? It, you know, everybody is going to have a bad day. Everybody's going to show up here with a problem from time to time. And it's, it's not the company's responsibility. It's not the leadership's responsibility. It's every person in this organization's responsibility to look out for those people next to them. And so, you know, from the standpoint of, of building culture in a business, of building consistent revenue growth, of building, it's all interconnected, you know, and it all starts with a foundation of culture. And what, what is culture? Well, to me, uh, culture is caring. It, culture is communication. Culture is humanity. It's humanity first, right? Forget about all the other business problems that we have. Uh, what is that person feeling in the moment that they're going through something? And that really matters. It, it, it matters to people. It matters that they, and by the way, we don't get by any means everything perfect in this place. You know, we, we face new challenges all the time because of our growth, because of our decisions to compensate the way that we do. We face different challenges, but our, our responsibility as an organization is to make sure that people know we have the right idea in mind. You know, we might not always get it right, but they know we mean our purpose, our intention is to get it right.